0: The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vaches, I,
1: I don't have to show you any stinking vaches.
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. I am so glad today happened to fall on a day when we're doing Facebook Live. Welcome to the audience on the Blaze Facebook page presence. This is going to be one you want to gather the office around. This is going to be one where you maybe... The kids are still on vacation, right? Kids are still on vacation. So the kids... The kids can benefit from this, too, because we are going to demonstrate to you guys, especially if your children want to have a career one day in journalism, what not to do. And a clinic on what not to do was put on, to a lesser degree, by a reporter of the New York Times, a guy by the name of Glenn Thrush, and to a greater extent by a guy by the name of Jim Acosta, who pretends to be. A reporter, And I will illustrate all of this coming up here on Facebook Live and uh, on the Chris Alcedo Show. If you want to call in and weigh in, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393, that's the phone number, theblaze.com, go there, slash radio. That's how you listen to this program live. You can go to Blaze Radio smartphone app, the uh, iHeartRadio app. While you're at blaze.com, make sure you check out the channels section. And that is where you can find The presence of the Chris Salcedo Show at TheBlaze.com. Social media. Keep up with us on Twitter, if you will. And we have been very active on Twitter saying hello to one Jim Acosta over at CNN. Uh, Also on Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show. I'm missing anything? Oh, yeah. By the way, on the Facebook page, there is an email link if you want to drop me a line that way. And why is this important? What if? What if you guys? Excuse me. I'm putting my phone down because it's it's vibrating here on my on my broadcast desk. Uh, why is this important to you? It, say you're not endeavoring to be a journalist. Say your children aren't endeavoring to be a journalist. Why is what I'm about to get into? Why does it make a tinker's damn bit of difference in your life? And I'm going to tell you why. Because there was a time in this country, and it's been waning in the last well 20 or so years where you could rely on the press when the press actually was of a voice for you. We got into this earlier in the week. And for those of you on Facebook Live, you probably didn't know about it unless you were on the on the Chris Salcedo show Blaze page. But we made the case that conservative talk radio is the last bastion of media that is actually not only looking out for you. But also listening to you. The Democrat Party hasn't done that in years. And the Republican Party, as evidenced by John McCain's shenanigans and other Republican shenanigans. Uh, demonstrated that fully. Uh, in particular, the, the most recent example, of course, with that failed health care debacle from the Republican party. So when, when I tell you when I'm about ready to tell you about news and the current state of news, and it's not news anymore. It's not journalism anymore. It's propaganda. And I'm going to illustrate this to you guys. And I'm going to take, I'm going to take some time because the way you make informed decisions, about who you're going to put in your city council, about who you're going to put into your uh, uh, governor's races, who, who you vote for to represent you in Congress or in, in the both political parties today not represent you in Congress. Who you vote for as president. You need to, to, to know and understand that the press is no longer your ally and they haven't been an ally for an awful long time. What Glenn Thrush and Jim Acosta did yesterday for the whole world to see the New York Times and CNN proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that they were there to propagandize and not inform. That they were there to to advance their own personal ideals not to inform you and actually not even operate in your best interest. Now, do they have a best interest in mind, yes. They had the best interest of the Democrat Party in mind. They had the best interest of foreign-born nationals, their interests in mind, but not yours if you're an American citizen or if you came to this country legally. Now, this is all surrounding this White House policy. Uh, and not Actually, two Republican senators rolled out the policy, and Donald Trump's all, all on board, reforming the way we grant green cards, and access to work here in the United States. It's not even comprehensive immigration reform. And by the way, to all you folks on Facebook Live who didn't hear me say this yesterday, when you hear the words comprehensive in front of any bill, run like hell. Because what it means is, is it's going to emulate Obamacare. You know, 2,900 pages designed to confuse and obfuscate what government is really going to be doing to you. So when you hear comprehensive immigration reform, that's going to be immigration reform that you don't have a tinker's damn bit of a chance of understanding. All right? It is best to do incremental steps on legal and immigration reform so that it is fully transparent to the American people to know what their government is doing, allegedly in your name. So let's get into this a very narrow focus of the White House and those two Republican senators. And to be quite honest, Democrats and Republicans alike have been talking about the need for this type of reform for the better part of a decade or two. And the last time we reformed our immigration system, what has it been, 50 years? Close to 60 years? And contrary to what Jim Acosta or Glenn Thrush might want to say... The United States has changed significantly. Both economically and demographically in those intervening years. And it would be irresponsible. Negligent. If the government didn't change with the times. Here's White House policy advisor. His name is uh, Stephen Miller. And he was warning lawmakers. That the overwhelming majority of the American people. They want this. They want this, and if you don't back it, there will be a consequence.
2: That over time, you're going to see massive public push for this kind of legislation because immigration affects every aspect of our lives. It affects our schools, our hospitals, our working conditions, our labor market, our tax base, our communities, and it's a deeply personal issue for Americans. And so you're going to see massive public support for this, and ultimately, members of Congress will have a choice to make. They can either vote with the interests of U.S. citizens and U.S. workers or they can vote against their interests. And whatever happens as a result of that, I think, would be somewhat predictable.
1: No kidding. Meaning you're out of office. And this is this is a bipartisan discussion, folks. It's not just Republicans and Democrats. All right. I mean, it's not just Republicans or it's not just Democrats. It's both. Independence, too. How, what is the best recipe for immigration, for the benefit of the United States and our citizens, citizens of this country. Not what's best for, uh, well, you're going to hear a, a great bit of analysis by Charles Crowdhammer in a minute. But what this policy that was rolled out yesterday does, is it's a merit-based system. It stops chain migration. Uh, chain migration is when uh, somebody gets in gets a green card, then all of a sudden he can invite his aged grandmother, can invite and uh, who can invite some other uh, member of the family, can invite some other member of the family and, and again, some of these people are not even able to work or be productive. They go immediately on government assistance and that works to the detriment of the U.S. taxpayer which is who this is designed to benefit, those who work. Now, <laughs> I'm going to say something rather controversial but I think it bears out there's a comic out there and you guys ought to find it it's of the first Thanksgiving and you see a man and a woman uh, the woman is holding a bundle full of wood she's got food in her arms and the guy's got another, under one arm the turkey and then he's got wood and they're, and they're getting ready to put on the feast and they look over and they see a guy smoking a pipe just lounging on a rock and it says so when's dinner? And the caption reads, the Democrat Party is born. (laughs) The the minute we start talking about merit, the minute we start talking about work and benefiting those who work, uh, about half the Democrat Party tunes out. And I'm talking about the half that's in California, (laughs) the elitists out there, not not flyover country Democrats, but the the Democrats who populate Washington, D.C., and other pockets that you all know very well. So this policy which stops chain migration, which which gives extra credit to those who have degrees, those who have positive skill sets to donate right away to the American fabric, they get special consideration. Those who would get a job that would pay well, that they would, they would all, all automatically start contributing to the tax base. They get special credit on this this point system. Now, already, there are detractors saying, oh, that's just so racist. I don't know what the hell that means. That's just so racist. Okay. So other countries like, oh, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, who use these type of merit-based systems, the UK to a degree, these merit-based systems, oh, these countries are all racist? Is that what we're to understand? Charles Krauthammer at Fox News put it, brilliantly
2: yesterday. I, I love the hypocrisy of the liberals who are so shocked by this. People who sort of swoon over Canada's uh, a progressivism with its national health care and its uh, matinee-star liberal prime minister who want him to be the leader here. All of a sudden, when the U.S. proposes essentially the Canadian system, the merit-based system, are shocked at how mean and racist it is. <laughs> this is a no-brainer. We... Me, Here's the analogy. The United States is the place everybody wants to go, every immigrant. You find somebody on a raft in the South China Sea where they want to go, United States. We have the top 100 draft picks of the NBA, and instead we choose... To pick people randomly out of the Karachi phone book.
1: <laughs> what, he's, what he's saying is, is that we have our our choice of those who are educated, who can come here and immediately contribute and not get on public assistance. And instead, and I know there's there's a political motivation behind this by the aforementioned Democrats slash liberals. Instead, we're choosing to import individuals who are not necessarily productive. As if America is the welfare state for the entire world. How many of you signed up for that? How many of you think that's in the best interest of the United States? And if it is indeed racist, then are all of these other countries who use similar systems that this is patterned after, are they equally racist? And how many Democrats will jump on television to make that declaration? I, I will play these sound bites from Glenn Thrush and from Jim Acosta. Coming up, the Chris Salcedo Show. Don't go anywhere, folks. Join us on the Blaze Radio right now. Be right back.
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice.
1: Uh, Breaking news, folks. Uh, Judge handing out a sentence. You guys remember that story about that girl who texted her boyfriend to commit suicide? Said, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. And some folks thought she was liable. Well, she just got 15 months in prison. Well, actually, she was sentenced to two and a half years. But she'll only serve 15 months in prison. Can you believe this? For texting. For texting someone to commit suicide and you shoulder the blame. I, well, I, I would imagine it's going to be appealed. But man alive. I just, I'm sure we're going to hear more about this in the coming days. What a precedent that sets. I mean, can you imagine all those people who make money off of data how many people are going to be shy now about texting anything <laughs> you can be held criminally liable good grief welcome back everybody it's Chris Alcedo's show so yesterday we carried much of this live in this hour but since then we've we've cut up and and dissected and analyzed some of these statements that were being made yesterday by the perpetrators in the White House press briefing room with Stephen Miller the White House advisor policy advisor so mr miller gets his first challenging question and it's not even a challenging question it's a it's more of a, a temper tantrum by glenn thrush over at the new york times he used to work for politico from my understanding anywho uh, so the white house advisor Stephen miller says in response to these questions hey dude when when are you folks at The New York Times going to put American citizens first?
2: Let's also use common sense here, folks. At the end of the day, why do special interests want to bring in more low skill workers and why historically? Yeah,
0: I'm not asking for common sense. I'm asking for specific. Well,
2: I
1: think it's very clear Glenn, that you're not asking for common, common sense. But if <laughs> That's Glenn Thrush saying, I'm not asking you for common sense. I'm asking you for statistics. And this was after he had just spent about five minutes giving statistics. Glenn Thrush wanted proof that bringing in low-skilled workers was somehow resulting in higher unemployment for Americans. He wanted proof. I know, I know, I know. Glenn Thrush has no understanding of how markets work. Glenn Thrush has no earthly idea that when you flood a market full of something, it's going to drive down that price. And those who are willing to uh, sell their wares the least expensively will will have business. It's the same with labor, folks. You're selling your labor. So if, let me put it this way. Some guy comes up and says, hey, I'll charge you 20 bucks to mow your lawn. Other guy says, I'll charge you 10. Who are you going to take? That's how it works. Now, Glenn Thrush, of the New York times has no earthly idea how that works because he's a left winger who has never even studied. I shouldn't say that who appears not to have even studied economics or has a clear understanding of how free markets work. So I need some statistics. I need some proof. And the white house policy advisor, Steve, Stephen Miller had just got through citing studies and citing proof, and it wasn't enough for Mister. Thrush.
2: I could just answer. If I could just answer your how question, I named. I named. Yeah, and by the way,
1: this whole idea of common sense, <laughs> Clem Thrush says I'm not interested in common sense, and and then Stephen Miller says that's 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 blatantly obvious. That the folks of the New York Times have no interest in common sense. And how how many times have you heard? Elected officials try to sell you something on that, with that phrase, common sense. Well, it's just common sense to tell people they can't have guns. Just common sense. (laughs) And then many people who own guns go, huh? There's no common sense there. Common sense is, I should have a gun to protect myself. I have the right of self-defense according to the Constitution. That's common sense. That's why you're seeing this, this disconnect between Washington. Washington says it's common sense when it really isn't. At least Glenn Thrush had the honesty to admit that the New York Times isn't interested in common sense.
2: I named the studies, Glenn. I the Glenn, Glenn, tell me, Glenn, tell me I named the studies. No, I named me, the studies. I asked you for a statistic.
0: Can you tell me Glenn, how many...
2: The, maybe how many... we'll make a carve-out in the bill that yeah. says the New York Times can hire all the low-skilled, less-paid workers <laughs> they want from other countries and see how you feel then.
1: <laughs> well, why don't we bring in some low-skilled writers who could probably do just as good a job as you, Glenn Thrush, from overseas who will work for half your paycheck and you can be out of a job. Let's do that. Let's do a carve-out just for journalists. That, that if you're so-called journalists, if you write, uh, why don't you come on over and tell the New York Times that you'll do the same job that Glenn Thrush can do, but you'll do it for half. And then drive him out of a job. And maybe, just maybe, Glenn Thrush will get an understanding of of how markets work. And then he might get an understanding as maybe, maybe importing all this cheap labor isn't the best thing for American workers. Back in a minute.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo.
1: Coming up on the show, we'll actually talk with somebody who has actually studied the economy, Maria Bartiromo from Fox Business. Coming up on the Salcedo Show, make sure you stick around. In uh, meantime, Stephen Miller. Continuing this back and forth with Glenn Thrush.
2: Maybe we'll make a carve-out in the bill that says the New York Times can hire all the low-skilled, less-paid workers they want from other countries and see how you feel then about low-wage substitution. This is a reality that's happening in our country. You know, maybe it's time we had compassion, Glenn, for American workers. President Trump has met with American workers who've been replaced by foreign workers. And
1: ask, ask,
2: them, ask them how this has affecting their lives.
1: Yeah, you, you could actually hear him. I'm not asking them, I'm asking you. The New York Times has no interest in asking everyday normal Americans about how they feel about all of this. Glenn Thrush has no concern for average everyday Americans. He doesn't give a damn about them being thrown out of their jobs. He cares about importing as many people from foreign countries as he possibly can, getting them on the, on the government's dole so they can vote for Democrats. That's Glenn Thrush's agenda. As a member in good standing of a biased news organization known as the New York Times. And he just, you see, sat there in a press briefing. I don't want to go talk to the people. Well, no kidding. No kidding. So the White House policy advisor, Stephen Miller, challenges the New York Times reporter on this whole idea that we need unskilled labor in this
2: country. If you look at the premise, Glenn, of bringing in low-skilled labor, it's based on the idea that there's a labor shortage for lower-skilled jobs. There isn't. The number of people living in the United States in the working ages who aren't working today is at a record high.
1: Yeah, there's no shortage of labor. Now, there is a shortage of labor who are willing to work for what these immigrants will work for. Yes, because these immigrants whether they be legal or illegal, they don't have the overhead that American citizens have. But there's a record number of people, at least back in the Obama administration, a record number of people not even in the workforce. Well, they don't want, these are jobs Americans won't do. No, they're not jobs that Americans won't do. They're jobs that Americans won't do at the price you want to pay them. They'll do them with proper compensation Oh, That's going to make the $5 head of lettuce, which is completely thoroughly debunked, by the way. That whole notion. So the, the, the very idea that we have a shortage of a labor force here in America and that we have to import it is insane.
2: One in four Americans, or almost one in four Americans between the ages of 25 and 54, aren't even employed. For African-American workers, their labor force participation rate who don't have a high school diploma, I guess African-American males without a high school diploma, has plummeted some 40 percentage points since the mass wave of unskilled migration began. The reality is that if you just use common sense, and yes, I will use common sense, the reason why some companies want to bring in more unskilled labor is because they know that it drives down wages and reduces labor costs.
1: Isn't that what we were just talking about? About how markets work? If you have more of something, if you have an abundance of something, it drives the price down, whether it be oil, whether it be corn, whether it be labor. And that's precisely what these individuals who are behind these types of policies are doing. They want to drive down because government has been so onerous on these corporations and on these businesses that the only way these businesses can survive, the only other place to cut is labor. In the meantime, you've got the left wing out there caterwauling for a minimum wage increase when really what they should be caterwauling is for government to get off of
2: businesses back. Our question as a government is, to whom is our duty? Our duty is to U.S. citizens and U.S. workers to promote rising wages for them. If low-skilled immigration was an unalloyed good for the economy, then why have we been growing at 1.5% for the last 17 years? Great
1: point. Great point. Do you understand? If if allowing everybody from every nation to come in here, that's low skilled, basically turning America into a job training program for the entire globe. If that was so hunky dory, then why why is our GDP? And this is averaging in uh, Republican and Democrat administrations, uh, g- g- not even hitting two percent growth.
2: Why? and U.S. workers to promote rising wages for them. If low-skilled immigration was an unalloyed good for the economy, then why have we been growing at 1.5% for the last 17 years at a time of unprecedented new low-wage arrivals? It's just the facts speak for themselves. At some point, we're accountable to reality. And on the other hand, like I said, you have ultra-high-skilled workers who are at the back of the line, which makes no sense in the year 2017.
1: It's true. Why, why wh- where is the prejudice against the high-skilled workers who want to come to the United States? Why is there a prejudice? Why is it more meritorious to have an unskilled laborer come into the United States than a skilled laborer? Tell me. What, what is so much better about getting, for the country now, for the United States of America, what's the, what, what is the advantage for our nation To bring in, uh, if you, and again, put put it yourself, put it in your terms. Couple of guys come to your house, want to put in your pool or your irrigation system. One guy says, I've never done it before. The other guy says, I've got 10 years experience and training. Who are you going to pick? And why is it any different for our country? So that's one lesson today. The other lesson is what you guys have just been hearing. And it hasn't even gotten to the good part yet. A complete and utter lack of understanding of what is good for the United States. Sacrificed on the altar of progressive liberalism. As you just heard Glenn Thrush advocating for policies through his questioning, at least his questions. We'll get to Jim Acosta here in a minute, but advocating through his questions for a self-destructive policy that works against the best interests of the United States out of, I'm going to say in Glenn Thrush's case, it's out of ignorance, but others who Glenn Thrush follows and carries the torch for. It's intentional. And that brings us to Jim Acosta. You all know how I feel about Jim Acosta, a man who is constantly seeking his 15 minutes, utilizing the prestige of the White House and his press pass, which is a joke, his press pass to get up and make speeches in front of the country. He didn't earn that right. He didn't earn that right to get up and, and, and tell us about his policies. But he's, use, he's utilizing the bully pulpit of the presidency to get up there and make speeches. Now, I can tell you, this is what Democrats do. This is what politicians do. This is what propagandists do. Journalists, real journalists, don't do this. Real journalists ask questions. They don't make speeches. Jim Acosta makes speeches. Jim Acosta is, I guess, a viral video whore. And he likes to mix it up so he can be viewed as the left-wing opposition of this White House. And he's doing a marvelous job of it. Uh, And he's also a moron. He's also a moron. And we will demonstrate that. Jim Acosta getting another 15 minutes uh, opposing Trump's immigration proposal.
2: Take one actual last question uh, on the subject of hand. Yes. What you're proposing or what the president is proposing here does not sound like it's in keeping with American tradition when it comes to immigration.
1: In keeping with American tradition. What's he talking about? Which era? Now, if Jim Acosta understood history or had even bothered to study a little history before coming to the press briefing, he would know that our immigration policy has fluctuated throughout our country's time on earth. And it has done so because of economic needs, mostly in the United States, but also cultural shifts in the United States. And when he says the tradition of immigration into the U S which period is he talking about? And he doesn't seem, he seems to think that since he's been alive, Jim Acosta, the, in his mind, in a way, the all important Jim Acosta's time on the planet, that is the right and proper level of immigration. Now he's not going to say that outright, But that's the implication by the nature of his question. Either that or he's a complete boob. A complete clueless moron who has no understanding of American history and how immigration has changed and evolved throughout the nations from the time the nation's founding all the way to present day.
2: The Statue of Liberty says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. It doesn't say anything about speaking English or being able to uh, be a computer programmer.
1: Now, we brought this up yesterday, and I think it bears repeating. That the, the Statue of Liberty and that poem that's at the bottom of it, the poem is not national policy. It was not crafted by a politician. It was not uh, codified into law. It is not part of the Constitution. It is not part of the Declaration. It's not part of any part of Americana. It was a poem. That if memory serves. It was, it was, uh, it was a contest, wasn't it? To get, uh, yeah, I think I think that the, the person who put up the poem was a was a, co- a contestant. So it is by no means law uh, uh, have the the binding of law. But Jim Acosta is either stupid enough to think it does or he's hoping the audience that watches CNN will be stupid enough to think it does. Well, I've got much more on Mr. Acosta coming up. Chris Salcedo Show. And there is a point, ladies and gentlemen. There is a point. It's the reason why I think this is important for you in your life. You must be Jim Acosta is not the only one. He's not the only one who is masquerading news that you would need to be an informed voter, an informed individual. He's not the only one masquerading as news propaganda. And you need to know how to spot propaganda. And I'm going to give you some tools next on the Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back.
0: Dial in, let it out. 888 900 3393 this is the chris salcedo show part of generation blaze on the blaze radio network Chris Salcedo is on The Blaze Radio Network
1: Alright folks, welcome back So let's listen a little more to Jim Acosta Shall we? Listen in
2: Uh, Aren't you trying to change What it means to be an immigrant Coming into this country If if you're telling them uh, You have to speak English Uh, Can't people learn how to speak English when they get here? Well, first of all Right now, it's a requirement That it be naturalized You have to speak English So the notion that speaking English wouldn't be a part of our immigration systems would be actually very ahistorical. Secondly, I don't want to get off into a whole thing about history here, but the Statue of Liberty is a symbol of liberty enlightening the world. It's a symbol of American liberty lighting the world. The poem that you're referring to that was added later is not actually part of the original Statue of Liberty, but more fundamentally, so the history, saying, so you're they, saying, but more fundamentally, you're the that history. That does not represent I'm saying that I'm saying that the notion. Of I'm, saying the notion that the con, I'm saying the notion of the. I'm saying the notion. I'm sorry. No, you're, like, you're, Jim, like, Let me ask you a question. That sounds like some uh, national park revisionism. He
1: sat on that line for the entire briefing, and you could tell as he raised his voice, national park revisionism. Now, it got a chuckle out of his colleagues, which is why he delivered it. And that is Jim Acosta's opinion. Is that what a journalist does, folks? Is that what a journalist is supposed to do? No. That's what a talk show host does. That's what I do. L- listen to this again. Notion, so I'm saying the of notion that the... Con- into this
2: I'm saying the notion... Stephen, Stephen I'm sorry.
1: And, and you hear him. Stephen, I'm sorry. And other, I, I just have to... I just have to say this. This is Jim Acosta, an alleged journalist. Stephen, Stephen
2: I'm sorry. No, that sounds here, like, here, that sounds Jim, like, let me ask you a question. That sounds like some uh, National Park revisionism.
1: National Park revisionism. And... Uh, anybody who knows and understands the history of the the Statue of Liberty knows that it's the truth. Knows that poem didn't come with the statue. France didn't give us that poem. France didn't even give us the podium that that the Statue of Liberty sits on. I think that didn't they have to do a fundraiser to to put that up? Ron, do me a favor. Look that up really quickly. Look, look up, look up the base because I'm just I'm doing this the base of the Statue of Liberty. See if you can find, I think, I think they had to do a fundraiser for it because government money, back then, they wouldn't spend government money on something like this. If if, if memory serves, I think it was our responsibility to create that podium. And I don't know if the contest for the poem was, was part of this or not. But At any rate, Jim Acosta showing right there his complete ignorance. National Park revisionism. As if there was some sort of historical or law significance to that poem.
0: You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network.